Megan Parker here. Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies, the podcast. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and industry leaders. We're going to find out how they got where they are and get some valuable insights into the music world. Uh, You can watch the interviews online or stream the podcast. Just check out jamminandjammies.com for all your jammy needs. Uh, Today, we're sitting down with one of my new favorite friends, Mr. John Shomby. John has had a career in radio spanning over 35 years, y'all. Right now, he's working on a little show called Backstage Country, and he's also consulting and coaching new artists on all things radio. So, we obviously have a lot to talk about. John, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm 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 very happy that we got a relationship here. That we finally. It's interesting how we met. That we sat down. I mean, I, I had you had come to this to a, to Ty Bentley show at some point. I think we met then, but we really met sitting. You know, when you go to City Winery for a show, you sit with people you don't know, and there you were, right across from us. I know. So, I just yeah. I make friends everywhere I go. So Absolutely. so exactly what John said, y'all. I had done the Ty Bentley ten minute tune a few years ago, a couple times, um, and that was so much fun. I miss it dearly. Um, but then me and a friend went to one of the CMT Next Women of Country shows at um, City yeah. Winery, and uh, and that was before Jammies was at City Winery. By the way, we just did a great run of shows at City Winery. That was so much fun. Um, but I've the- seen one of them, and they're fab- they're fabulous, fantastic. It was so fun. It was so much fun. Um, but anyway, you never know who you're sitting next to. So I'm so happy that we bugged you and your sweet wife, Marilyn. And now here we are. Yes, here we are. <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. Tell everyone where you're from, please. And how did you get into music? I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So needless to say, I'm a big sports fan. And <laughs> I don't know when this is going to air. So I'm not going to talk about the Eagles uh, hopefully being in the, no, never mind. I'll, I'll just keep going. <laughs> no, that's but, okay. I, I think we're putting it up next week, so we can go for okay. it. Okay. Well, it, it'll be, it'll be, we'll figure out if they're in it by this Sunday. But anyway, the, um, uh, I'm from Philadelphia originally and, um, always wanted to be, let me put it this way. Always, I always wanted to be a sports announcer, but never really thought, well, how that's never going to happen for me. None of that's, I mean, that just happens for people that have really good voices and, you know, and, and, and know people and all of that. So I just decided when I went into college, I had become, if I could do this very quickly, I was in a play. I played a lawyer in high school and I, lo- I thought, hey, th- I really enjoy being the lawyer. So I want to major in free law. <laughs> and so that basically... Uh, Got me in, I mean, that's when I got into college, I was majoring in pre-law, switched majors several times, and was on the verge of flunking out uh, when one of my fraternity brothers, um, who was a broadcasting major, I, I went into his room, just started talking to him one night, and he said, he just said to me, he said, you'd be great at it. You got to do, you got to get into broadcasting. I said, well, that, what, there's a, there's a, like a major? He goes, yeah. And he explained to me everything about the broad, majoring in in communications and all that. And I was at Penn State University at the time. And uh, that conversation changed my life because I changed my major. And, um, you know, did that for a year and a half and then I graduated. And that's when I realized that that degree and a cup of, and 25 cents will get me a cup of coffee at that time. (laughs) So uh, getting into radio, but I just happened to, in between uh, graduation, in between finals and graduation, I went home. And there was a radio station that was within 
in a suburb of Philadelphia called Norristown, Pennsylvania, that was literally, you could see the tower from our kitchen. So I thought, well, let me just go over there and drop off a resume and whatever. So I walk in, uh, the program director comes out, he walks me into a studio, goes, here, here's some, at that time you had a thing called wire copy where you read news. He said, read this and just record. Okay. So I did, didn't think anything of it. Next morning I got a phone call and he wanted me to go to work for them. Wow. They just happened to fire this guy, a guy. And I just happened to walk in right after they fired a guy. Wow. And they basically need a warm body in the chair. And I yeah. became that warm body. So that's how it started. And um, very quickly from there, I, I'll just try to, I'll try to zip through this. I, I, um, it was a radio station that was just what they call a daytimer. It was only on during the, during the day, sunrise to sunset. Um, and uh, I got to be friends with the news director who happened to drive the prize patrol for one of the big top 40 Philadelphia radio stations. So he took me to the radio, one of those radio stations one day, one night, actually, I got to see one of the DJs work. And I looked at that and I said, I want to do that. And so I, my, my idea of being a sports announcer was now shifting to being a DJ. Wow. Um, so I would go into the studio uh, production studio while we were playing our Frank Sinatra and symphony music and all of that. Cause that was, I mean, I was just out of college and I couldn't stand that music. I didn't <laughs> But I just, I made what they call audition tapes back then you made real tapes. And I sent out about 250 of them to be exact. And I had two answers, one oh. from Lima, Ohio, one from Vidalia, Georgia. And everybody said, I used to hear everybody say, the South is where it's happening. I thought Vidalia was a suburb of Atlanta. I went, great, I'll be living in Atlanta. Well, it's not. <laughs> Accepted the job. And when I drove down there, I realized <clears throat> this town is in the middle of nowhere between Macon and Savannah. Oh, wow. And spent three years there. And I'm, I'm trying to get through the, the career. No, take your time, please. It's fascinating. So, so at that stand, from that standpoint, I, I moved to Vidalia, Georgia, picked up everything and moved. I was married at the time. This, there'll be a, there'll be a, there'll be another narrative that goes through marriages, by the way. Through, <laughs> but but the um, uh, got down there and met another guy from the Northeast who was down there, and we we were on an AM radio station that was a daytimer. <clears throat> they had an FM station that just basically was automated, what they used to call beautiful music back then, which is now soft rock. Right. So we both decided that we were going to go in and talk the uh, the um, general manager into making the AM station a country station and the FM station top 40, which which, wow. which it was the AM station. Um, the uh, In the course of all that, the general manager got fired. A new one came in. We went to the owner and told him, because the owner was owned the newspaper right there. It was a small town. And he said, yeah, go ahead and do it. So we did it. And back in those days, there was a trade magazine called Radio and Records, and we became friends with one of the editors, and we used to get ourselves publicized all the time. we do crazy promotions, 10,000 people, where uh, we actually sat down one day, my friend and I, who I still communicate with, and said, how are we going to get our butts out of here? Okay. So we figured, let's try to get some publicity. So we got a lot of publicity. We got enough that the, that the they used to have a tier of reporters that would report the music that they would play to the trades. 
And we became the lowest tier, what they call parallel three, which means labels started paying attention to us. Wow. Okay. So we broke some hits and we made some noise and we made, did, made a lot of promotions. He became the program director. I became the music director. In a matter of time, he, he went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then New York City. <clears throat> I was offered a job to go to Birmingham, Alabama at, some, at one point. I became program director after he left. And six months later, <clears throat> I was offered a job to go to Birmingham to launch a top 40 radio station on FM then, which was very new. This is back in the late 70s. It's how old. <laughs> so I got, I got to, we, we already launched one radio station. I got that experience, launched a new station in Vidalia. Now I'm going to be hired to launch another one in Birmingham. And it was an FM station. And um, they had an AM and FM. And, and we happened to, once the station was launched, and this is back when ratings came out like gotcha. once once a quarter, not once a quarter, once every, what, twice a year. And we went from nowhere to number one in two ratings. Wow. Because we were FM. Then all of a sudden, the competitor, our competitor who was on the AM, their head of programming for the entire company wants to hire me to go somewhere <laughs> else to take me away from there. So I wind up two years later launching another new top 40 radio station in Portland, Oregon. So I went to Portland, Oregon for two years. Um, from there, New Orleans, Louisiana to a top 40 station there. I was a pop programmer at the time. I was a pop program director. And then in New Orleans, I got a call to come to Dallas to launch two, an AM oldie oh station God. and FM top 40 station. So I went there and stayed there. And uh, at one point, the stations did very well and then did, did not do very well. We wound up moving them to Classic Rock. So I got into programming Classic Rock. And we had a big, we moved the other, the AM station to Big Band. From there, I went, I was there till for seven years and then wound up in Boston, Massachusetts as a Classic Rock program director. I was there for a couple of years and then wound up in back in Dallas programming sports radio. Because I had a friend who wanted me, he wanted a music, music radio program director to go in and program talk radio station using what I know about music. So I did seven years in Dallas, uh, actually five years in Dallas as the, as the sports radio program director. Then the Dallas Mavericks have a basketball team. I worked with them to be to uh, <clears throat> as their as their programming guy to help with with all their broadcasts, etc. In the midst of all that. And I'm, this is a sidebar, but <laughs> I, met, I, I had we had this guy come in and it was 1994, somewhere around there, who was wanted to convince us to broadcast on the Internet. And I was very I was very curious about that. My my boss told me, you may want to talk to this guy. And because I, I was curious because my AM talk radio station couldn't get into offices because it's AM radio. And I thought, well, this is a way to get into AM radio. I don't care if they're listening in Japan. I want them to right. listen to the pumps. And this guy came in, and I would have I would have bought anything from him back then. His name was Mark Cuban, by the way. Wow. Okay. Okay. So uh, long story short, radio station I programmed, KLIF, became the first radio station that ever streamed. We were the first one ever. Oh we, we, we started... He, we, he, we started with his, co his company started with us and I saw that thing grow to unbelievable immense, uh, 
so that was that was at the middle of all that. Anyway, at some point, I wanted to I wanted to get back get into to some some uh, variety of type of programming, and there was a position available called operations manager that I saw. Uh, around the country, which means it's somebody who had multi-format experience that could program a series of radio stations, clusters. They they have clusters of stations in different various markets, five radio, six radio stations under one roof. So I wound up doing that uh, for a company called Cumulus uh, in Augusta, Georgia for a year. They sold those stations and I wound up in, in uh, and again, there was no country involved in that at all. It was all pop. Uh, urban sports radio things like that, and then I wound up moving to Flint, Michigan, and they maybe they had me cover two markets, Flint and Kalamazoo, in that same capacity. And again, all pop, all rock, uh, and and news stations. I got a phone call uh, about two years into this, about two thousand two. The guy that I worked for in Augusta, his best friend called me from Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and wanted to talk to me about being the operations manager there. Well, first of all, I'm stuck in Flint, Michigan, driving back and forth to Kalamazoo every day, every week. And I'm thinking, the beach, Flint, Michigan? Hmm. hmm. But the one caveat was I was going to have to program the country station. Yeah. And bottom line, in those days, I thought country music was blank, kicking crap. <laughs> okay? I just didn't like it. I didn't think I liked it, but I thought to myself, you know, this is in one format I had not programmed, so maybe I should give it a shot. And heck, it's the beach. Can't be that bad. Yeah. I wound up in programming a country station and, and overseeing four other ones in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and my life changed. Wow. Um, I learned the, the relationship with artists was different because on the pop side, you don't have one. On the rock mm -hmm. side, you don't have one. And I, I, uh, I, first time I came to Nashville, 2003, I was just, oh my goodness, this is, <laughs> wow. And then in 2005, I got elected into the, the, the board of directors for country radio broadcasters. And I've been on, been on it ever since. Now I'm its vice president. But all this started growing. We started making a name for ourselves in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and was there for 13 years, turned down offers to go other places because I met my wife there. Uh, I will go back and say that I've been through several marriages till I found one who is willing to just understand radio and understand how crazy this was. So, um, so we went, you know, we were, we were planned on staying in Virginia beach. And then I got an offer to come here to Nashville to run what they called the Nash campus for the company I worked for prior to, to, to leaving for Virginia beach cumulus. And uh, an old friend of mine named Mike McVeigh, who I'd known for years, and I couldn't pass it up because it was something that gave me the opportunity to do something nationally, run four nationally syndicated shows, and 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 you know be involved. Living in Nashville, we always liked it. I brought my wife here every year for my, one of my board meetings, so it was the one place we said we could live. So we wound up here wow. seven years ago, as of the end of this next month, um, and. It was four years, two years ago, now it's three, April of 2020 is when the pandemic hit and jobs were being eliminated. And I was still, I was already planning to do what I'm doing now, uh, but it just happened a little faster because they eliminated my job. Yeah. So I went into this business of uh, consulting, so to speak, without having 
to do what everybody else is doing, like consulting individual stations and all of that. I wound up working with this syndicated show, Backstage Country, that's on five days a week, uh, five hours a night on on in Boston, Philly, Charlotte, Tampa, Las Vegas, a bunch of other markets. And we get a major artist to host it every week. I book the artist. I coach the artist. We have somebody write the script and that's how it works. Well, that was one thing. And then my wife had the idea, maybe I should teach artists about radio before they go on radio tour. And I thought, well, labels do that. No, they don't. Found that out. So I've worked with about, now I've been hired by about five or six labels periodically. It's not consistent, but I've done 15 artists. Uh, Jelly Roll was one of my most recent. Uh, And Jordan Harvey was my most recent with with Broken Bow. But um, on top of that, I've decided I coach talent. And I got a couple of radio talent who I coach. And then I've gone to work with a with a uh, artist development company uh, uh, that's run by a guy named Skip Bishop, an old friend of mine who I've known since he was in radio. And I kind of help him with his management side of things. I kind of give his artist managers advice on when when not to go get excited about radio because radio's in a different right. position these days and all that. Is that enough of a story for you? I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. I should have gotten gotten like a pen and a paper while you were talking and, and taking notes. Okay, first of all, um, the the thread, like the common thread that I'm hearing through your entire story is, first of all, that you're a hustler. You never just took on a job and did the bare minimum and went home and, you know, clocked out. You were always forward thinking and trying to grow and do something else. Second of all, how many places have you lived? <laughs> I counted the other day. Did you? I actually counted how many times I've moved. At least 10. Which includes inside inside the cities I lived. Oh. 30, 34. You're kidding okay. me. But I've lived in 14 different cities. Unbelievable. Wow. Um, three, <laughs> the, the whole country music stigma, I think so many people are affected by it. I mean, you even see it on social media sometimes. I think country music is bigger than ever maybe you'd agree but Definitely. there there is still the stigma on like the other side of, of people who just have never really been around it and understood it so i love hearing that country music basically changed your life well I, and i'll tell you a story about that and, and i go back back to i remember the blues brothers movie one of the funniest things is they went yeah. into this club. we play country and western so if somebody somebody says country western, I get real I get real defensive about that. But when I first got into the form, before I moved to Virginia Beach, I re- reached out to label people who I knew would be my label people, and I said, "Send me some of the music. I want to listen to it. I want to yeah. listen to what it sounds like." Because I thought I better get to know this. So one of the first acts I hear is Montgomery Gentry. Gentry. Then another act I hear is Toby Keith. Then another act I hear is Emer- a band called Emerson Drive, and I'm listening. Yes. Wait a minute. This is not the country I thought it was. I heard Alan Jackson and it brought me back down to earth, but that's okay. <laughs> and as I tell people, then I saw a video of Sarah Evans and I was in. So, wow. but I mean, the, the fact is, is that the music wasn't, and I, then I realized when I go back and realize first time I heard the Eagles, when I heard take, take, take it easy. I remember this. I remember going out and buying the album. Yeah. Uh, right away. Uh, Charlie Daniels, man, I love Southern Rock. I grew up, I mean, I grew up in radio with it. I love the Marshall Tucker Band. I love Leonard Skinner. I'm thinking to myself, well, that's country. I mean, as I'm hearing music, that's country. So it was, it, I really, I finally realized that, that uh, it wasn't what I thought it was. 
Okay. Well, I have so many questions. I, I think I'm going to be ju probably jumping around there. Um, let let's jump around. Okay. First of all, um, how do you find new artists nowadays? I mean, you said that labels reach out to you about consulting sometimes, and obviously there's social media, but most of the time, I mean, do managers contact you? Like, how do you find new talent? How do I find new talent? I mean, yeah. I'm not, no, no, I, I work through the labels. I go to the labels and they, they tell me they have somebody to okay. work with. Okay. But I just, I, what I do sometimes is I just like to talk to new artists just to find out what's in their head. Because I'm yeah. learning, I've learned more. I mean, talking to you, mm -hmm. uh, there, there are other people that I've, I've done this with where I, I, I create a relationship just to, just to find, just to learn about this side of your side of the business more than anything else. And I think I've learned more in the past two years than I ever have in my life about the music uh, process on yeah. your side. Because I mean, I, all I knew is that we got a song and we had to consider playing it. I don't know how it got here, but this is that <laughs> we got it. Now I know how it kind of know how it gets to us. Right. Uh, and and I and I understand the concept. I also understand how excited it is for a person to get hear their song on the radio how exciting it is for them to get number one song and all of that i mean there are lots of politics to go around all that but i mean it's sure. just the, it's the the bottom line with the artist i really see, see how pure it is especially from, from someone like you from a songwriter standpoint that's the thing that over the past year that really i mean my wife and i've gravitated to that because it's pure it's vulnerable uh, what other word? It, it, it's 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 the purest form of music you can get. Songwriter up on a on a bench or a, yeah. a stool, telling their story with a guitar and singing, uh, yeah. singing the story. It's magical. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, well, then, as somebody who's seen so many artists come uh, over the years, um, and you've worked with labels, you worked with with publishers and all these people. What do you think? makes a great artist i mean what do you think a new artist who's watching this i know it's a loaded question but if a Whoa. new if a new artist is watching this what's something that they well, should a lot do? of it has to first of all you have to have the music bottom yeah. line you better have some good music you can work have, on your craft you gotta have a fantastic you could have a fantastic voice yeah i mean really there are a lot of great voices in our format right now but they're just don't some of them just haven't had the song yeah. Absolutely. And you've got to have a song. You know that more than anybody, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. That it's, it's 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 that's the best. That's the first part. I think the second part is is you got to be able to understand the other side of the the other side of the desk, the other side of the of it, who you're talking to. That it's that you got to develop a relationship. And I think a lot of artists do that. Uh, but the the more I think the more who do, the better off they are. So yeah. if you have the song and you have the relationship, guess what? I think you make it. Yeah. I think you have, a, you have a good shot at it. I mean, Luke Combs has that aw shucks kind of, yeah. You know, and same, and Bailey Zimmerman comes across as that as the dumb young kid, but he's got some great music. I mean, first time I heard "Fall in Love" was like eight nine months ago on yeah. Apple Music, and I went, "What is this?" And that's what that's what draws people is that first is the song, and then everything else comes after that. Okay, well, let's say that you were a great artist on the rise. You formed the relationships. You've got a record deal, and you're going on radio tour. How does a new artist? Uh, and obviously, this is part of your consulting, so don't give away all your secrets. But generally, how does a new artist make a good first impression um, on on radio? Be who you are. Don't change yourself. Be yourself. Um, because not that not that they'll see through it, but that's what that's who you. I mean, you've yeah. got into the business 
you got into the business to be who you are. I mean, I always say if, you're, if a label tries to change you, that that's a that's a yellow flag in my opinion, yeah. and and you should be who you are, um, because if that's not going to work, then maybe you're going to try another line of work. That's the other thing I would say, because you got to be just yourself. So if you walk in and you know if you're shy, you got to work on that. Yeah. But I mean, but if you walk in and and just create a relationship as if you're just talking to somebody, a friend, yeah, I think you've got you got a good start. That's perfect. That's perfect advice. Um, are there things that you wish people, uh, artists, understood about radio? Maybe some misconceptions. Yes. Um, one in particular is we don't have a stigma against women. Love there's, that. Yes. There's nothing. There's nothing there. But I think it's just because of the rules of the road for years, not just the past fifteen. Um, just a simple rule in, in music was in country music, never play two females back to back. Sure. Somebody, somebody mentioned that. And it's like, it's an, un, I don't know any listener that notices that, but yeah. I mean, for some reason, <clears throat> but there's no stigma. I mean, the, the, a song is like, again, it's a good song. It's a good song. Yeah. I, I, I can go off on that because I, my opinion is labels are as much to blame or maybe more so than absolutely. Any. Because when you look at all the releases, you may have 15 releases from a label, three of them or five of them are female. That's 30%. It's interesting. Okay. I, I mean, me and I don't mean to interrupt. I was just going to agree with sure. you that me and some of my my fellow girlfriends in town have spoken about. We've been in meetings before where they're like, well, we just signed a female, um, but they don't mind signing back to back male. So it's it's very interesting. Yeah, that's that's the but, but it's, it's not anything intentional that's being done on the country music sure. side. Yeah. Um, and for the most part, and I tell people, I tell artists this when I'm when I'm going through this little radio one on one, I call it. <clears throat> I'd say 95 percent of the people who got into this on the programming side of the radio business are are music junkies. Yeah. They love music. It's just they got sidetracked a little bit. It's just not they're they're. And I think the other thing to understand is the pressures that they are under are beyond the music because of ratings, because of revenue, because of keeping their job. The business. Like yeah. That. It's the business in general. And that's, that's, those are the couple of things. Well, all that said, you have been super supportive of, of women in country music. I met you at the CMT Next Women of Country. You guys, they Leslie Fram shouted you out on the stage and said how supportive you've been and was pointing at, at all the ladies. This was just the 2022 class, was pointing at so many of the ladies that you had worked with. So speak to me about that. How important is it to you? Why are you being so supportive of women? I have two daughters. Ah, enough said. <laughs> and... and <clears throat> They're, they're it's funny because they're from different marriages but they're both about five feet tall <laughs> and, and trust me don't piss them off yeah <laughs> but, but i mean i've learned i've learned the, the the roadblocks that they've had to come to get through to get to where i mean one of my daughters is asian all right so there's even more of a roadblock and she just she just ran through everything that's basically it my other daughter is just the just the i mean she was she was one that was that was premature and and, and all of that and worked her, you know, she was a fighter from day one and that's the way she is. I see that and it gets, I guess maybe there's a special place in my heart for the female side of things 
because I know what you have to deal with. I mean, I even used to joke about the fact that I go out and buy a pair of socks that last me for, you know, 10 years for $5. You, and this is back in the old days. <laughs> you, go, you go out and buy a pair of pantyhose that last you for, for $5 that last you two days. That's and true. that's it. You got to go buy something else. And I think that's a, it's, it's even our society has created that, that imbalance. And I, I just want to see, I hear a lot of good, you know, I hear see next women of country. There's a lot of good music out there. Yeah. And I don't understand why it's not cutting through. I don't know, but I think I, I would, I'd love to see a radio station somewhere decide we're going to be 50, 50, just like yeah. CMT. Yeah. And see if it works. Um, because I think, I think it deserves a shot because it's, Hey, it's balance. First of all, it's total balance. It's great to hear. It's great to hear, uh, uh, Bailey Zimmerman, but then play Haley Witters. It's great to hear, uh, you know, um, Luke Combs, but then play Carrie Underwood, you know, there's, it just, it's, it's good to have balance. That's, that's important. I think that's important in any kind of a music format in some way, shape or form. Absolutely. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on TikTok and this new era of virality. Um, I don't even know specifically what my question is. I just want to know your take on it. Somebody told me recently that the top five streaming songs um, for the year or something did not have radio airplay. So I don't know, go off on what you think of, of this era of virality and how that relates to radio and music and mainstream careers. Well, I did I actually did a TED talk about this last year at, at, uh, at CRS. Did you really? Yeah, the, the, it, this stems, it goes back to the CMA Awards in 2021. <clears throat> I'm watching the awards and I'm on Facebook just because I like to see the, the reactions of our, my radio brethren. And all I'm seeing is they're not, thank, they're not thanking country radio. All of a sudden, they're just thanking country music. And I kept thinking to myself, uh, RJ Curtis and I are good friends. He's the executive director of the, of the board. So... We're texting back and forth. He texts me, so you look at the Facebook. I said, yes. I said, they don't get it. So he calls me and we start talking. And I said, look, I said, we have to understand that our roles changed. They're saying country music because they don't want to, they want to make sure they acknowledge everybody. They can't just acknowledge radio anymore because radio is not the radio. Maybe radio is part of the process, but it's not the beginning and the end anymore. Not the only game in town, as right. it were. Yeah, it's not the well. And I likened it to a relay race where you just if it used to be you you know radio was at the beginning, the middle, and the end. Now radio's the anchor leg. You can't get a number one song without radio, without country radio. That's just not going to happen. Right. But there are other ways to get the song and the artist uh, some exposure, and it's and a lot more through with DSPs and TikTok and places like that. It's not, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's just the way things are. And the pandemic exacerbated that because everybody was home. Right. And and, then they were trying to find ways to, to uh, entertain themselves. So it made it, it made it uh, again, radio suffered because of that. And again, radio's got a lot more conservative because the ratings process, which is another whole thing I could spend three hours on that <laughs> is so antiquated and so inexact, but it is what we are, me- how we are measured. Yeah. And that's our, that's how you win. That's how you keep or lose jobs. 
Amen. So they're concentrating so much on that and trying not to make a mistake that they're afraid to, to even take a chance. So now you've got conservatism happening. You've got iHeart has what they call the custom playlist where they do one playlist and it's on 80 radio stations, same songs. So that's how things change. And you have to expose music somewhere. And now, I mean, every Friday I go on Apple Music and I'm downloading 20 songs. It's mm. a lot because to me that's like, wow, that's that's 80 songs a month. Yeah. Uh, and but it's still you're getting some exposure, and this is just the way to get out there. That's the way. That's the way of the world these days. That's yeah. not going to change. It's just it may radio be, radio may have to you know, worm its way into the process a little better, yeah. but it's always going to be that way. Now TikTok, I. That's something that I, you know, that's it, it, now it's now it's bless you. Thank now, you. Now when it's a when when you're when you're an artist looking for a label, they're asking you how many followers you have. Right. Um, which is, but you know, the labels are not willing to do the work anymore. They want it done for them. They want the fan base already in hand when you walk in the door, and because you can do it, it can be done. It's shown it can right. be done. So it's created a whole different animal. And, um, you, you know, you have to be, you have to be aware of the fact that you got to be exposed in a lot of different areas now as an artist. It's yeah. a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Cause on one hand you feel like, well, you know, the labels don't want to, don't want to help anymore. You have to kind of come to them with your audience in hand, right. which, but, but on the other side of that, it's another avenue in which you can make it without a label really, you know, to a certain point. So right. it's good. And it's not in some ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you mentioned CRS. I want to talk about that. Um, I okay. think a lot, a lot of artists in Nashville try to just be around at CRS because if you don't have a label, generally you're not invited to the, the cool things. Um, so tell us a little bit about CRS and what it is in general. And then what could an independent artist do during that week to bump into people or something, you know? Well, Country Radio Seminar is, is a, it's a gathering of, of um, pretty much everybody in country radio. Uh, and now we've we've decided to involve the uh, the DSPs as much as possible because we feel like that's a, there's a there's a faction who doesn't, but most of us feel like they're part of it too because that's yeah. radio. Right. I mean, to my daughter, this this little phone here is radio. So <laughs> right. so um, I think that's uh, so we all gather together for this three day two and a half to three day thing where we have. We have performances where artists get to perform in front of uh, their, you know, this this whole group of programmers and and air people and all of that. And then there are panels where we talk about everything from uh, you know, how to how to build a personality to what's going, you know, what what kind of what kind of people are listening to country music now, et cetera. It's just a whole cover it all as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the I've been to several, I go to, I've been to several seminars over my career, probably the best, most comprehensive one I've ever been to every year because it covers a lot of ground and artists are really a good part of it. Now, as far as an independent artist, yeah. hang out in the lobby. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, you don't have to pay, you don't have to pay anything to get in the lobby and hang out in the lobby and just see people and, and maybe get yourself scheduled in bar lines uh, through uh, pickle jar because they do the scheduling. Uh, while people are hanging out in bar because bar lines is in the old days it was at the Renaissance the CRS 
and the bridge bar was the big hangout. So now it's bar lines. So find find some way to schedule yourself there because they usually schedule some people to play during the three day period. No matter who's in there, it could be anybody could hear you, right. and that's a good thing. And then just be just be visible in some way, shape, or form. You know, you, you may see somebody you may that you know, uh, and somebody else introduces you, and it's a great way just to network. You know. Uh, a one-day pass is 250 bucks. If it's affordable, get a one-day pass, go to some panels, learn yeah. as much yeah. as you can. But that's that's the that's the best way I could tell you is to is be visible there in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, network. I mean, down to your early days in radio, that sounds like that was the key for you. You just kept saying oh. you met someone, you met someone, you met oh, someone. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. it's, I learned that it's right place, right time, but also make sure you know who you know. Every right. job I've gotten was because of I knew somebody from a job before or yeah. I met somebody along the way, even up till now when I got here to Nashville. That's what yeah. that was about. So you just have to, you just have to keep networking because you never know when it's going to pay off. Yeah. Like my relationship with Mike McVeigh, I've had since 1985, didn't pay off to 2016. <laughs> you just don't know. Yeah. So what do they say that luck is like opportunity when, when opportunity meets preparedness or something? I something that. Like whatever. Something I don't, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go look that up and send it to me. Yeah. But, uh, but that's, that's it. It's, it's, uh, and CRS has, I mean, as far as registrants, we have close to a little over a thousand there and they're label people, but they're, you've got a lot of, and the other thing is, is there are a lot of radio people from smaller markets? Cause we try to bring in, we want people to come in to learn. So you have non-reporters who may not be important to your chart positions and all Yet. that, but it's, but it's developing relationships that they remember, you know, and, and, and you never know who you run into again, two years from now. And they say, oh, I remember that person, you know, yeah. and suddenly you've got another relationship that's going to pay off for both of you. This business is a slow burn. Yes, it is. That's a good way yeah. of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Well, I know you've got another call, so I'm going to let you go for today. I really, really appreciate all this insight. I know that all of our followers will too, because they're all aspiring artists, most of them. Um, maybe we'll do a part two sometime. Uh, we'll, we'll, Absolutely. Absolutely. I, okay. I feel like there's more. Countries Radio, countriesradiocoach.com is my website. That's C-O-C-O-U-N-T-R-Y-S-R-A-D-I-O-C-O-A-H.com. And my email address is J-S-H-O-M-B-Y at countriesradiocoach.com. Anybody has any questions, comments, whatever, I'm not, first of all, I don't pitch for business. I mean, if somebody wants a word of advice, I'll give you advice. The meter doesn't run. I just, I've been in the business long enough to, you know, I, I, I like to pay back a little bit. I like to just help. And this Nashville has made me see just meeting people like you who are just plugging away every day that, that there is satisfaction in seeing someone like you become successful just from getting, just giving some advice, you know, that's, that's enough. You're so kind to share your personal email. Um, hopefully not too many people will take advantage of it, okay. but, but John, John, the, you're the nicest guy in the world. We appreciate your time. Let's do it again soon, my friend. Thank you so much. Lovely, lovely. <laughs>